Karan Allen, uh, one of our coaches who will be doing the Operation Power introduction. Brother Karan. Thank you, Karu. Uh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you all on this beautiful Saturday. When I say operation, you say power. Operation, power. power. Operation, power. You know, I felt it even though everybody's on mute. It's all good. I, I felt it. I know that we're powerful people. Mute can't even hold us back because I still felt it. And I'm sure the people who are in your household or wherever you are also felt it. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to another Liberation Saturday. I am very, very excited that we are back uh, <clears throat> having our meetings, um, <clears throat> discussing all of the important stuff that's happening around the world, but specifically within our communities. Um, so those of you that may be here for the very first time, let me tell you a little bit about Operation Power. Um, when we talk about power, it is people organizing and working for empowerment and respect. Let me repeat that. People organizing and working for empowerment and respect. Now, what does that look like? So let me tell you, Operation Power is a grassroots social justice organization founded by local community stakeholders. We talk about activists, organizers, and leaders that understand the system as it is currently structured is destroying us and our communities. This system, a capitalist system, one that promotes human greed over human need, one that promotes profit over people, needs so badly, so desperately, needs to be dismantled. These local community organizers recognize this system needs to be radically changed and rebuilt. Operation Power was founded in 1997 to do just that, with the understanding that this that systemic change happens locally. Our communities are the vehicle to erode the parasitic capitalist system, brick by brick. The systems in place in our local, local community infrastructure, whether it be the school board, the community board, the city council, the state assembly, our power pieces that control the destiny of our people. In 1997, Operation Power launched a campaign, one I'm sure many of you are very, very familiar with, Charles Barron for City Council. And that campaign, being at the start, would lead to over 20 plus years of changes in the East New York community. And when we talk about those changes, we're talking about thousands of units of truly affordable housing. Affordable to who? Affordable to us. About four $80 million schools, elementary, high school, all of that done. Over $70 million allocated and secured for local community parks. Parks that make a difference in the lives of the young people in our neighborhood that keep them safe. Millions have been secured for library upgrades. One massive, I'm sorry, I said one. Two comprehensive transformations within uh, the Councilmatic District. One in East Flatbush and in New Lots Branch, which you all know is on an African burial ground. Operation Power has been the stewards of many, many cultural actions and programs. We're talking about Juneteenth celebrations, the Sankofa Park reinterment, Kwanzaa programs, and a Black Inventors Youth Parade added to that. Thousands of jobs secured for local residents. 
the political infrastructure transform. The city council seat, the state assembly seat, the state committee people, the chair of the local community board, community board members, even working to elect a local judge. County committee seats, block association presidents, tenant association presidents, and much, much more. And you wouldn't believe this. This was done while being black radicals. We are black radicals, which simply means we like to get to the root of the problem. We need to get to the root and not lose ourselves battling symptoms of this vicious system. We know revolution is the solution. Operation Power believes in black power for black people. Black power is still needed and still relevant. Operation Power believes the black radical is the ideological position that we can only afford to take, get into root to the root of our problems for revolutionary change. Operation Power believes in community control for black people, true autonomy. Operation Power believes that we need to move to a more socialist egalitarian system, a communal system that doesn't suffocate, but liberates. Well, thank you very much, uh, Brother Keru. I really want to say that it is indeed, I am humbly honored to be able to moderate a program for the great, one and only, the true revolutionary to his heart and soul, Dr. Matulu Shakur. He was a friend and a comrade in struggle. But most importantly, he was motivated by the love for his people, not by hatred, not by violence, not by any things, any of the things he was accused of or, and prosecuted on, but for the love of his people. So I wanted to first start off with a few photos that I we personally had a great relationship with him. I had a great relationship with Afeni Shakur, the uh, mother of Tupac Shakur, that's Afeni, with Inez and I in 2001 when I ran for the city council and won, Afeni Shakur, Tupac's mother, came in, endorsed us, and said that she wished us best. We became very good friends, and often we had dinner with her and her son, Tupac, and her daughter, Sechua. And that was a, a very close relationship we've had with Afeni Shakur. She was one of the greatest uh, Black Panthers that ever engaged in struggle. She was brilliant. She was part of the Panther 21, and she was the one that helped them get off with her legal brilliance. And she wasn't even a lawyer, but she defended them and they were acquitted. So Dear Mama was uh, Tupac's message to his beloved mother. And now they're both, all three of them are in heaven together and they'll be able to be united spiritually. So that's Afeni Shakur. Another picture I want to share with you is when my son, Jawanza Barron and I, went to the Atlanta uh, facility, correction facility, where we visited with Matulu for two and a half hours. Now, this was such an awkward picture for me, but he made me do it. I said, Matulu, you sit down in the chair and me and Jawanza will be behind you. He said, no, you know me, Charles. I love being with the youth. And that was one of his strengths. One of his strengths was these young street organizations, some call them gangs, he was able to pull them together. And he is the stepfather, we say father of Tupac Shakur. And he was able to get Tupac to get into 
a positive code for the street. And that code was shared all over. When you see that thing, Thug Life, you know, that was a positive thing. It wasn't meaning going out there being a thug. It had an, an, an acronym that meant something very positive. And he wanted to go around and he told Tupac, you are going to be one of the leading revolutionary leaders of this generation. And that's what Tupac was, even though there's some inconsistencies in some of his uh, work. But the bottom line, Tupac is known all over the world. And a lot of that was through the coaching and the mentoring of his father, Matulu Shakur. So we were very honored. Although I awkwardly sat in that chair, I felt too, Matulu should have been in that chair, but he wanted to stand with Jawanza, my son, because he loved young people. And when we spoke to him, not one time did he say, what are you going to do to get me out? He said, no, Charles, you got to stay in that electoral arena. You got to make sure that you, you know, show these radicals that how we got to alter the system. He wanted us to start a truth and reconciliation commission to put America on trial. He never once said, what are you all doing to get me out? He did say, take care of my family, though. Make sure my, my children aren't suffering because they sacrificed a lot. So that is my love and appreciation of Matulu. And I was so flattered. And this was a funny part. Uh, when I was speaking to his son, who will be talking to us a little later, Talib Shakur, Talib said that his uh, father was suffering, you know, as five-stage cancer. He was doing real bad. He'd been in jail for 36 years. We wanted to get him out. So they wanted to see how his mental condition was. And they took him to the hospital and they asked him, what's your name? Do you know your son? Do you know what day it is? And then they asked him, who's the president of the United States. And this is when I knew he was all right. They told me, he said, Charles Barron. So I knew then that he is messing with their heads. And the lawyer said, who's Charles Barron? And Talib had to tell him that's one of his comrades in the Panthers. But when he said that, everybody said, okay, Matulo's all right, because he's going to be messing with people's minds. So that is my love and respect. Rest in peace and power, my brother. That's Matulu Shakur from what I know. Now we get into some clips so that you can learn even more about him. Oh, this last picture, excuse me. This last picture was when we were in Atlanta and we they had a, a, a memorial program for him in Atlanta. What a program. Uh, so many people testified uh, how Matulu you know, helped them while they were incarcerated. And remember this, when you are sentenced from for 25 to life or whatever amount of years, when you go up for parole, your judgment on parole is based upon your time served, not your initial crime. Nobody can change their initial crime. So you can't keep people in hitting them with two more years and two more years because of how you felt about their initial crime, which they can't change. So he had impeccable years of service while he was in. He helped people, he helped other brothers in there, find out who they are and, and, and get on the right path in life. He got his degrees, he got everything. He nothing but positive, no infractions, yet they kept hitting him for two more years until he wound up spending all that time 
That's a political prisoner when you're being incarcerated for your political beliefs and it's no longer about any crime that you commit. And many political prisoners, and we all say prisoners of war, if somebody says to you that the Black Panther Party is the most dangerous organization to the internal security of America, J. Edgar Hoover and Cointel said that, and then you say that to Panthers, they're not going to sit home waiting for you to knock on the door and kill them. They're going to go underground formulate a black liberation army and decide that they're going to defend themselves. And sometimes the best defense is a good offense. So when you look at these kinds of issues in our movement, and when they tell you that these things occurred, 30 some odd Panthers died and not a single police was put to jail for it. And some police died because the Panthers defended themselves, but yet Panthers went to jail, and even those who don't have bodies next to their cases still have 20 and 30 and 40 years. We were very honored to work on political prisoners in New York State, and as a state assembly member, we were able to get the Black, Latino, Asian, Hispanic Caucus in Albany to send a letter for Herman Bell, Seth Hayes, and Jalil Montecum. All three were released that we sent letters for, and after 30 and 40 years, they were released. Seth Hayes made his transition shortly after being released. So this is the Matulu Shakur. This is the memorial where we at. And next to me, from left to right, is Talib's wife, Nicole. Then it's myself, and then it's Talib, his son. When Talib first came in my office, I thought they let Matulu out. And I said, he looked so much like his father. I said, I didn't know they freed you. And uh, he's just a beautiful brother. You'll meet him later. Next to Talib is Tupac's sister, Setua. And uh, that's my, uh, that's like a daughter to me. I love Setua. And we have a great relationship. And of course, my queen, Inez Barron. Now we'll go to some of the videos so that we can learn more. This first video is by this brother in the struggle, Kalanji Changa. He was very close to Matulu. And I just wanted you all to here are some of the things he said about Matulu so that you can learn a little more about Matulu. That we remember, uh, obviously, a very sad uh, happening this week. Matulu Shakur, former freedom fighter, fighter for black liberation, former political prisoner, passed away. And I think that it's only right that we remember his memory. And we are very, very honored to be joined by Kalanji Changa, who is a co-founder of Black Power Media for this discussion. Kalanji, thank you so much for joining us. Honored to be here. How you guys doing? Doing very well, very well. And, you know, the honor is all ours. And, you know, maybe to start here, perhaps for those who who don't know, who was Matulu Shakur? Uh, I would say that Dr. Matulu Shakur was a, uh, a lifelong uh, representative of uh, a new African uh, independence movement. Um, he's a brother who, for all practical purposes, started off as a young soldier, literally, at the age of 15, um, and worked his way and earned his stripes as a general in our in our people's uh, uh, liberation movement. Uh, Dr. Shakur um, started off as a child advocating for his mother, who was blind, um, and he would go, um, you know, advocate and navigate for throughout social services, social systems, so on and so forth. And he learned at an age, at an early age, that um, that 
he and we had to speak up for ourselves if we were to survive uh, imperialism and capitalism inside of this country and abroad. Um, he learned from, he was inspired and influenced by Malcolm X. You know, as a youth, he went to, um, he grew up in Queens and members of the Nation of Islam took him and some other, uh, other youth to go see Malcolm on occasion to hear him speak up in Harlem. And he was inspired. And from there, he met his ideological father, Herman, F Herman Ferguson. Uh, Herman Ferguson uh, was a leader in the uh, uh, revolutionary, uh, uh, excuse me, in the uh, Republic of New Africa. And he was also a comrade of Malcolm as well. So uh, Dr. Matulu actually, or young Matulu, was a, uh, he used to go to a community center and Herman Ferguson was one of the, the advocates there and he took him under his wing and it was him who brought him into the Republic of New Africa uh, in 1968 when it formed. Um, from there, you know, he met his, um, his spiritual father, Saladin Shakur. He said he had three fathers and those fathers was Herman Ferguson, Saladin Shakur, who was known as the the father or the progenitor of the um of the Shakur clan you know the Shakur family he was a brother that um was also the father of Zaid Shakur and Lamoma Shakur of course we know that Zaid Shakur was uh assassinated murdered on at New Jersey Turnpike with Asada Shakur shot with Asada Shakur and um Sundiata Kohli so uh uh uh, Saladin, known as Alba, took him under his wing. From there, uh, he met his, uh, what he would call his street father. And his street father was known as Abubadika, which many of us know as Sonny Carson. Um, we may be familiar with The Education of Sonny Carson, which was an old film about his life. And for those of you who are hip hop fans, Sonny Carson was also the father of Professor X from, um, from the X Clan. But these three men helped to uh, shape and mold Dr. Matulu Shakur. Uh, I had a convo with Baba Herman Ferguson um, before he transitioned. And one of the things he told me was that when there was this uh, New Bethel incident, the uh, church owned by C.L. Franklin in uh, Detroit, Matulu Shakur was doing security, 16, 17 year old. And when the police vamped on that church and shot through the church, Matulu Shakur threw uh, Baba Herman Ferguson and his wife, Ialua, on the floor and laid on top of him to protect them from the bullets. This is the type of young man he was. Of course, we knew that he grew and became a acupuncturist and eventually, uh, through the state's, uh, you know, tactics and antics, I uh, became a political prisoner. And, you know, I'll stop there and we can. All right, you can stop there, too. See, this is an excellent piece so that you get a sense of who Matulu Shakur was and his acupunctural role up in the Bronx and Lincoln Hospital. He hooked up with Felipe Luisiano and the Young Lords, and they took over the hospital and had a detox. Thousands of our brothers and sisters who were strung out on drugs were cured and healed with acupuncture, not methadone not substituting one drug for another drug, but through acupuncture, because he went to China and he went to Canada and became a doctor of acupuncture. So I just wanted y'all to get that part of Matulu Secure. And you see where his heart and love was at. He got on top of Herman Ferguson and his wife, and Alua. We, we know them very well. We know Sonny Carson very well. 
and we was able to hear these same kind of stories about Matulu from them. So he's just an incredible, incredible soul, and he's going to be sorely missed. And we'll look at another piece. And this next one, I think, is important because you'll learn about his son, who's going to be with us shortly, Talib Shakur. And he found out who his father was later on in life. So I'll let him speak for himself. I was raised not political, not um, conscious. However, that's something that's lacking inside me that I'm still learning. These are some of the things that's missing in my life, whereas I have to learn from so many other people about my biological father. And sometimes it's sad that I have to learn this way, but I'm learning. I heard a gentleman inside the auditorium on the stage yes. talking about power to the people and you know we need our own black drug programs and, and, and we need to get rid of methadone and, and we need to have a culturally sensitive approach to, to black folk. So these healers and this is what Montulu comes from. This is in his blood, his whole cycle. He answered the calling. Acupuncture detox specialists that have been certified by Lincoln Hospital around the world and finding out what this acupuncture was able to achieve i said i had to go to the school i was just so very very impressed we talk in australia we talk in hawaii we talk in canada because of dr matulu shakur who i say is the father of acupuncture but from day one as soon as he came into the prison institution. He started working with us, us brothers and he molded us and had us doing curriculum. When I met him uh, in 72, the agenda was about bringing about change in the community, feeding people, educating people, clothing people. Educational things. And um, he was, matter of fact, he was instrumental in my development. Right now, I wouldn't be at the pivotal point in my career if it had not been for Matulu. What better gift could you do for bring to your people but to heal? You know, it actually started me writing. You know, since then, I've probably sold a million books. Your father was treating your grandmother, Already? his mother. Yeah, so yeah. I actually was yeah. there witnessing him that. treating her for her blindness. When Tulu, all of these years, over 34 years, being in captivity for a crime that he didn't commit. I mean, that was a mock trial. It was a kangaroo court. But one of the things that I found that was so profound about him is how he could take the youth and how he could take all us young brothers and take us and mobilize us and show us academics and show us, teach us, you know, who we are, the essence of us. These trumped up charges that were brought against Dr. Shakur that he stole and killed. That is so out of character. Heal is heal. They don't kill. Finally, what we're going to do now is hear from Matulu Shakur himself. Uh, we want to make sure that people get to know who he is. And you'll see from one of our great journalists, my good close friend who I miss so deeply and dearly, and that is Gil Noble on Like It Is, 
had a chance to interview Matula Shakur. So we want to hear a little bit of that. And then after that, we'll hear his son. We're going to play a little clip uh, around uh, so uh, Sekou Odinga. And then we'll hear from Sekou and then open it up from questions. But here is Matulu himself speaking for himself. Unlike it is. Convicted on a RICO statute, RICO Racketeering uh, Act, which is the uh, Racketeering Influence Corruption and Organization Act, which uh, actually consisted of a, a number of charges stemming from 1976 to 1981. They indicated that uh, they charged me with. Uh, six armored truck robberies, the liberation of Asada Shakur, uh, using illegally gained funds to finance camp for black children in Mississippi, to uh, send material aid to uh, Freedom Fighters of Zamu, and to finance public mass organization work, and to put a acupuncture clinic in Harlem were part of the so-called enterprise I was accused of financing with illegally gained funds. And what were you convicted of? of I was convicted charges? of every single charge in the indictment, which no. consists of nine charges. You mentioned some assistance to freedom fighters? Yes. Where? In Zimbabwe. What is the nature of that crime? What is the criminal content in offering assistance to freedom fighters? They allege, well, first of all, there is a uh, federal statute of uh, uh, neutrality act, the violation of neutrality act, which is a part of the federal government's use to ban, uses to ban people from participating in foreign countries or governments that they do not approve of. And, uh, so at the time that Zanu was fighting for his liberation, it was considered a terrorist organization or terrorist formation by the United States government because, as you know, it supported the Rhodesian government, the white minority government. And, uh, and is Zanu the organization that Robert Mugabe headed? Yes, it is. Yes, it and Zappu was headed by Nkomo. Just, yeah, Joseph Nkomo. Yeah. Uh, we supported the liberation across the board of the Zimbabwean people. Uh, we particularly had an interest in Zanu because Zanu showed an interest in our efforts to uh, uh, hand across Africa, black people here, and African people in Africa uh, working together around common interests. You keep saying we. Who's we? We, I consider part of the black liberation movement, national liberation movement, and anti-imperialist white people in America who felt that they had a specific role to overturn some of the imperialistic uh, nature of the United States government and to go to uh, oppressed nations and hand out, you know, and offer support and allies to, you know, to their government. So we felt that uh, together, working together, it was an important uh, example to United States citizens that black and white can work together around specific goals to help the end of oppression in certain countries. When were you arrested? I was arrested in February of 1986. Mm -hmm. What were the circumstances of that arrest? What were you doing? 
declaration was the testimony of an informant. And this informant said that I was a part of the planning and the uh, execution of the operation of the liberation of the National Court. Must understand as being part of a movement and in people fighting oppression, you must understand is that when they implemented this RICO racketeering act, the burden of proof generally is supposed to be on the government to prove you guilty or you know guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. In the RICO, they are allowed to offer hearsay evidence that is not collaborated by any other physical concrete evidence. So what you're fighting is what an informer says, and that's allowed to be given to the jury. And even if that informer has a lot to gain from his testimony, and there's no physical evidence to back up what that informer says, on that informer's testimony alone, he or she can go to the grand jury, and that grand jury, because of the, it's a RICO indictment and part of the congressional statutes, anybody can be indicted on a, on a charge. And that kind of evidence can be admitted in court. In state courts, you cannot have that kind of proof. You must have a much more solid base in order to, you know, uh, offer it as evidence here. So this is a federal indictment. This was a federal indictment. So your appeal is on a federal level. It's on a federal level. Uh, there was 3,173 3, prints of value. Uh, lifted from crime scenes, from weapons, from safe houses. Of those 3,173 prints, 34 of those prints were mine. All of those prints were on public distributed information, such as uh, on a new African Freedom Fighters Day in July 18, 1981, Stop the Klan leaflets. And pamphlets. Pamphlets, general pamphlets that we handed out that we used. Uh, one pinky print was on a, a leaflet around New African Freedom Fighters Day on July 18th that was publicly distributed that was found in a, a so-called safe house in East Orange, New Jersey. That connected me to everything that was in that house when there was no proof whatsoever that I was ever in that house. No eyewitness proof, no proof whatsoever that I was ever in that house. So they offered explosive evidence against me. They offered uh, uh, a, a machine gun, a, a James Cagney type machine gun that looked at like it was a, a collector's item. Never was connected to any act in, the, in, in any uh, uh, acts in the indictment. So all of the proofs in this case against me was hearsay and the second side of the proof was that I politically believe that brothers and sisters involved in our liberation have a right to struggle in order to be free. And because I have been a part of that struggle all my life, I will not capitulate and distance myself from their right to struggle in order. That's Matula. Let's give it up for Matula. Shakur, his commitment to our people. And as you can see, the sincerity, as you can see, the bogus trumped up charges. He was not at any of those things. And he even showed you how they just took his fingerprints from pamphlets that he was distributing at rallies and things of that nature. So Matulu 
is committed to the liberation of our people, to the liberation of all political prisoners. Uh, Brenda's going to give you an update on the political prisons report toward the end of our program. But I wanted y'all to see and hear and feel Matula Shakur, his commitment to Zimbabwe and ZANU-PF, the uh, struggle in Zimbabwe. Isn't it interesting how freedom fighters are terrorists, but yet the government, colonial government of Rhodesia, some Europeans that colonized Zimbabwe, they're not terrorists. And that every colonial state in Africa, every European country that colonized Africa, they weren't terrorists that murdered our people. Congo, they murdered millions of our people, extracted the richness from Africa. One of the paradoxes of Africa is that Africa is the richest continent in the world, but paradoxically has the poorest people on the planet. So this is the commitment that Matulu connected us to Africa. He connected us to healing and he connected us to the liberation of our people, particularly our political prisoners. With that, I do want to take a moment now, if he is prepared to bring on his son, uh, a good friend of Inez and ours in our movement, uh, Talib Shakur. I want to thank him so much for being with us. And people don't realize when Matulu said I had to go underground for six years, that means no connection to his family. And even when he was above ground, he was so busy and had to do so many things that sometimes families suffer by not having their father or their mother, as in the case of Afeni, uh, with them as much as most of us would want our parents with us. So with that, I want to bring on the one and only, my good friend, uh, Talib Shakur. Fortunately, I have a lot going on right now, but anytime Auntie Arnez and Uncle Baron calls me out for anything, I do my very best to put whatever I have going on to the side. So uh, right now I'm in the middle detailing a car, so I don't want somebody to see me. So I'm gonna sneak up in here and uh, do the Zoom call. So uh, here we go. Um, yes, uh, what Uncle said about the family is affected when people have to go through the trial and tribulation of liberating our people. Yes, I was one individual that was definitely affected by it. And the form of my mother kept away from me who my biological father is. I was being told all my life that some other man was my father. And this man I never seen before, never heard his voice, none of the above. So 10 years ago, after I finished doing 16 years in prison, you know, through that travels, he had a lot to think about, a lot to reflect about, you know, why this, why that? And one of the whys I was asking is like, why can I know my father? Is he one of those deadbeat fathers that don't want to be part of his son's life and stuff? Oh, well, but I still want to know who he is. So one day I was on my way to, um, to work to Harlem and I'm on a train and an individual with African garment on was sitting across the train, I mean across the um the seats from me, and he just kept staring at me. And by him staring at me, you know, my antennas rose and you know, uh I thought that it might be some friction behind all of that. So I was just preparing myself for the friction. So now I said if this man get up by the time I get up to get off the train. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. 
So guess what? Yes, he did stand up, and I stood up. I clutched my fist, and I was ready to, to deal with whatever had to go on. So he came, like, maybe two feet in front of me and said, excuse me, sir, are you Dr. Matulus Shakur's son? And in my mind, I said, oh, here we go with this again, because growing up, Family and friends kept on telling me, wow, you look just like Jarrell. You look just like Jarrell is Jarrell Lat. Who the heck is this Jarrell dude? I don't know. I never seen him and I, I don't know nothing about him. So as time went on, when this man did ask me, you know, are you possibly Matula Shakur's son? I got, I left, I, I told the man, no, I'm sorry. I don't know the man. And then I walked to the right. He walked to the left. And I'm on my way to um, go out the got to go out the um, the train station, walking up the stairs. Something told me to turn around. When I turned around, this man was standing in a crowded platform, just staring at me, just shaking his head in, in disbelief. So that's what I said to myself, man. Listen, I'm just going to go and ask my mother the truth, you know, to tell me the truth. So when I got off the platform, I called her. I said, Ma, let me ask you something. Why I never met my father before? She said, uh, you never met? And then she said the person's name. I said, have you ever introduced me to him? She said, oh, no, nah, he was just running around. I couldn't get up with him. I said, Ma, let me ask you the real question I want to ask you. She said, is it possible, is it possible Matulu should call my biological father? She took a deep breath and she said, Yes, son. Yes, that is your biological father. So my whole body just started getting flooded. And I was always raised to respect my elders, of course, your family, your mother and father. But at that time, my feelings was all over the place, but she didn't know it. Only thing I told her is like, well, I'm not going to stop until I find him now, you know. And when I went to work, I asked the receptionist to look up that name, Matulu Shakur. And she did, she found the address and she sent it to my office. At that specific moment, I wrote on a yellow piece of paper, I forget the kind of paper it was, but I wrote on there a nice long letter. But in the letter, I didn't tell him that he was my father. I was telling him people that I grew up around and you know, at towards the end, I asked, is it possible that you might be my biological father? Less than a week later, I get a, a letter back with his name on it. And I was just so nervous that I couldn't really read it. So I asked my wife, she was my uh, girlfriend at that time, that, uh, can I come over for me? I got something to show you. She said, yeah, well, what's the matter? I got the letter back. I got the letter back. So I rushed to the house and um, she read it to me because I was too nervous to read the letter. And in the letter, it, it was stated that, yes, son, yes, I am your biological father. And um, I heard your name, names of your family and friends. And here's the visiting form. I can't wait to see you and stuff like that. And on the top of the list was Mopreem Shakur, Stetra Shakur, uh, Afeni Shakur. And I kid you not, no lie. The next name after that was Charles Barron and Inez Barron. And then the list went on to say Kuadinga and, and the rest of them. This is your family right here. Make sure you get in contact with them. And I swear to you, 
ever since I got in contact with Auntie Agnes and Uncle Charles Barron, nothing but love, nothing but respect, nothing but support. So I champion y'all for all that y'all have done and all that y'all will do, you know, and know that you got a, a Matula Shakur lookalike that got your back. <laughs> okay? And that's how that go. So moving on, once I went to visit him, he was just blown away that, you know, oh, wow, people in the visiting room, they just had so much to say. Oh, mother effer, this mother effer look just like your ass and all that type of stuff. And then he just grabbed me, kissed me on my cheek, held me close to him and said, I'm never leaving your side again. Sit down, ask me any questions that you want to ask me. And, you know, he's going to, you know, he revealed a lot to me. So from that point on, him and I started building such a strong relationship and a bond to whereas I went all the way out there to Kentucky and Victorville and those far places to visit him probably every other month and so forth, you know. And it's it's weird that this time went by so fast, but it's it's like I can't believe my father is gone right now, you know, because mm. this travel to to get him to to support him to do any and everything that he asked me to do, even to the point of even to the point of going to pick him up from the facility. Mm. I, I had so much hope. Mm that he was going to be around for the longest. And from getting him from the facility, I did not lose a beat. I stayed with him all the way through, okay. all the way through, all the way through. So taking him on a plane, uh, uh, a known celebrity blessed us with the accommodations of a jet to get him from the facility to go and see his mother, which is my grandmother, in mm -hmm. um, Georgia, out in Georgia, spent time with her, was with her, was such a beautiful moment right there. Oh my God, that was a beautiful moment. They both cried, they both hugged, they both ate together, they both mm. did everything. So, may she travel in peace as well because I made sure I was there for her while I'm out here because I live out here as well. And and when we went back to um, Kentucky, uh, to California, where he stayed at, I stayed out there with him for like a month and a half. And then I had to come back out here and, you know, back and forth. You know, I'm chopping the story up a lot because, you know, I have other things that I have to do. But, you know, and on another time where we could really, really talk, it'd be much longer. But however... To the point where as he was going back and forth into the hospital, I stayed by his side. The family did as well. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And the last day that I seen him uh, alive, it was me. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh, man. The, uh, what's his name? I, I get the name in a minute. But nevertheless. We was there at the hospital and I had to take a flight that night. When I took a flight back out here, Mo Green, well, he was supposed to be going, coming back home that morning. So when he went back home that morning, 
I tried because he couldn't really speak, you know, in his condition. So right after that, you know, the, that morning, a mom called me in tears. And when he was crying, I, I didn't want to hear what was coming after that. Mm-hmm. He said mm-hmm. he's gone. So I rushed back out there that night. And when I got back out there, I didn't understand why he had to be buried so fast. Mm-hmm. So he was Muslim. So right. they said that he had to be buried uh, within three days. Right. So that day that I went out there, I didn't know the, the the ramifications on how things go. But I had to wash my father's body. Mm-hmm. My cream and my, my nephew was just his grandson. We washed my father's body, mm-hmm. dressed him in the the um the cloth and everything like that got him prepared to come back out here to Georgia and then um this is the thing that I, I can't get out of my head ever since Watani only thing I can hear Watani say Talib 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 after the like after the um the service after the uh, email speaking, the Talib, Talib, Talib. I looked at the way with that. He had, they had my father by the um, grave site. He said, come on, come on. So he, he called me over there. He said, you got to take your father and put him in this hole right here. Hmm. I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, it's an honorable thing to do. Just, you know, you, you have to bury your father. This is without a casket. I literally had wow. to fill my father's body wow. and lay him inside this, this six-foot hole where. So me and my nephew, he gra- grabbed the foot, and I had to grab his torso, his head, and everything, and gently lay him in his hole. And then after mm. that, I had to put the dirt on top of him. Mm. I literally had to bury my father, literally bury my father, put out a casket, mm. and then... You know, yeah, it's, this is crazy, man. This is crazy. Hmm. But I, I had to do it. Done deal. I'm glad that he's out here so I could go and visit as much as I want. You know, I'm trying to have people come out every year so we can all go over there to visit him, you know, to spend some time and then go back. I wish I could really stay on the Zoom call all the way to the end. But I have this customer looking at me right now, so I'm gonna finish the vehicle. So you know, again, this is sacrifice. I'm sacrificing for Auntie Inez and Uncle Charlie. So if I lose a customer, I'm gonna go I got you. I got you, man. Well, let me say this to you, man. You know how much me and Inez just love you so deeply and dearly, and I appreciate you sharing your heart and soul with us today. I wanted people to get a sense of what happens to revolutionaries families and you presented and i tell you every time i spoke to your father he was so proud of you man he was so proud of you he spoke so highly of you each time and he just told me he said charles whatever just make sure my son is all right and he was so proud of you what you just shared with us I think it was, it's, 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 people don't know how difficult that is, but it just goes to show your strength, your love, 
and then and then to see you and Setua, you know, at the um, memorial, because both of you, you know, I love you all so much. And we are here for you. You're going to be fine because you're never going to have a problem that we're not going to be able to help you address and make sure that it gets resolved. But thank you so much for sharing your heart and soul to our family today. And I show, my queen is here. Auntie's here. So you know Auntie has something to say. Talib, we just want to say we love you. We send our best to you and to your family. We know this is, you know, a real hardship heartbreak but we're here for you and you know that you can call us anytime and come and visit when you want we're here so we want to say we love you mm -hmm. and we so much appreciate your honesty your openness and your sharing with us you know the emotions of a son having a revolutionary father made such commitments to our people and uh, the sacrifices that you and your family had to go through we love you love see you family. soon and as uh, Brenda Walker just said in the chat, that was a powerful, heartfelt presentation. I want you to get out of here because I ain't paying for the customers that you that's blowing. So you ain't going to call me up and send me no bill talking about <laughs> I blew 10 of your customers. <laughs> and there's more coming right now, too. So blessings to everybody on the Zoom. I love y'all. Yeah. Keep pushing. If you have my phone number, give me a call. We could build. We could do things. All right. Stay blessed. All right. Take care now. That was, a, um, uh, as Brenda said, a heartfelt, powerful presentation. He's such a beautiful brother. And as I said, the day that he walked in my office, I thought to live was, uh, I thought Matula was liberated. I said, oh, shoot, Matula, but he ain't that young. He looks so much like his father. But uh, we just thank him so much for that presentation. I see it says Jalil's phone. Is that Jalil Montague on the phone? Or is just someone using Jalil's phone? Uh, Y'all find that out for me because we surely would want him to say a few words. Um, next. Yeah, it's me. It's me. It's me. Uh, uh, oh, yes. How you brother. doing, my brother? Salaam alaikum. Peace. Salaam Salaam, my brother. It's so honored to have it's you been a, It's been a beautiful, it's been a beautiful uh, presentation. Uh, you're doing a wonderful job. Uh, uh, hearing hearing uh, Talib uh, uh, share with us, it's been enormous uh, um, contribution, especially for those of us who have uh, uh, had children who are, uh, while we were, oops, I didn't want to do that. While we were, mm -hmm. that we had children, have children while we, were, while we were inside. So the story that he was telling also reminded me of my, my own uh, experience with my daughter. My daughter was in the womb. Uh, when I was captured, and so I spent 50 years. Uh, I never spent a day uh, uh, um, in the streets with her until she was 50 years old. Okay, uh, 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 so that is that is the reality for many of us who are political prisoners who have served uh, uh, enormous amounts of time inside the, the penal slave system, uh, and, and and not being there uh, for our children, uh, not being able to provide them the kind of fatherly love and guidance uh, that one would if they were uh, physically present. And 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 be honest with you, I'm still dealing with the, some of these issues uh, with my family, with my children. You know, my mm -hmm. absence. You know, particularly mm -hmm. with my 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 younger sister. You know, she asked me. Uh, she was 11 years old when I was captured, and she said, "Why did you leave me?" You know, that was the question that she mm -hmm. asked. Why did you leave me? You know, uh, as uh, if you know, not understanding the, the depth of our our commitment and the struggle. And so, seeing uh, Talib speak about his issues, uh, his uh, remembrance of his father and 
and being able to be there for his father at the time of his uh, passing, his transitioning, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful moment mm -hmm. uh, uh, in our time in history of our, of our struggle. And I, I hopefully, uh, what he has shared with us is something that will be internalized within our movement and, and understanding mm -hmm. that for those of us who have to go underground, on what sacrifices that we are committing ourselves to in love for our people and in love for the struggle for liberation and independence. And so with that said, you know, I, I really want to say uh, uh, thank you, uh, Santa Sante, uh, for the work that you are doing, my, my dear brother, and for this uh, putting on this presentation uh, in honoring of our dear comrade, uh, Matulu, Dr. Matulu Shakur. Well, you know, when we honor Dr. Matulu Shakur, we honor you, my brother, because you had the same spirit, the same fight, the same commitment, the same sacrifice. But I can't let you get off this phone without talking about your mother, because your mother is a bad lady. And my communications with her while you were going through your struggles, she was incredible. So talk a little bit about your mother, her age and her commitment to you, because she is just a phenomenal woman. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much uh, in regards to that. Uh, my mom was a, um, as a young, as a young, uh, young woman, uh, she had me at uh, 17 years old as a teenage mother. And at the time, she was a, also a student of African dance. And so her, her, uh, instructor uh, in African dance told her that she's African, right? And that the work that we're doing, this, this, this cultural development that we're doing is of Africa. And so for me, I was raised uh, with the understanding of being African. And, um, and so my experiences in, in growing up had to be on the basis of the virtue of, of being African. You know? So I was raised with that understanding. So my mother said, you're not a Negro. Right. You're not an African-American. You're not a, a coon. You're not uh, any other derogatory name that they uh, uh, try to share with us or impose upon us, but that we are African. And so with that understanding, um, I was raised in the civil rights movement. My mom was a member of the NAACP, right? And then from there, I transitioned into a cultural nationalist. And then from there, into a revolutionary nationalist, uh, joining the, the principles of... Uh, of uh, of the Black Panther Party and uh, the Black Liberation Army. Uh, my mom's um, has taken on the name, uh, uh, I can't, I don't know if I can say it right, uh, Techichika, Chekitika. She saw, she saw an article about this Black Panther who was uh, uh, in the zoo and someone made a satiric uh, story about this, this Black Panther. And so she took on the name of this, this Black Panther uh, in this historic uh, uh, story because what the, what the guy says, or what the, the panther says in terms of the story was that I create panthers. I make panthers. Mm, mm. And so that's what mom's that's what mom's position was. Wow. I make panthers. Right? <laughs> I create panthers. Tell everybody how old she is. How old is she now? Uh, well, my mom, no, she passed last year in July. Oh, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, she passed last year in July. She was 84 years old. 84. 80, yeah. And, um, no, no, excuse me, 80, 85, 85 years old. Yeah. 85 years old. And um, uh, we've been able to, to have, uh, uh, she, she, she is uh, um, cremated. So we still have her, her body, mm -hmm. okay. uh, her ashes on, on the mantle at the house. But we, she wants to be, she want her, she want her ashes to be um, distributed in Jamaica. 
right? Wow. Because part of our family, part of our family is uh, that we come from Maroons, right? Uh, my great grandfather was Maroon from Jamaica. And wow. so she says that she wants to have a, her body, her ashes are uh, um, interned in, in Jamaica, uh, up in up in the mountains in the Maroon territory. Uh, so that is the kind of quality, that's the kind of understanding that I had with my mom uh, growing up. Uh, she mm-hmm. was a um, an advocate of black liberation and independence. You know, yeah. I was raised in a household where we have photos around in the living room of Martin Luther King and 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 El uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shabazz and Ron Karinga and 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 Stokely mm-hmm. Carmichael and H. Uh, Rap Brown uh, now Jamil wow. Alameen. and uh, those are the icons. Those are the figures that I was raised up and understanding uh, the nature of our mm-hmm. struggle. And so it's, I think it was just. Um, 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 natural uh, mm-hmm. for me <laughs> to evolve and become, become part <laughs> of the movement. You know little, what I mean? She was something else. When I used to talk to her, she said, wait, before we say anything, did you call the people to take care of my son? I said, yes, Miss <laughs> Bottom, I did. She was 85. And what did they say? I said, and when are you going to call them again? <laughs> she, she was no joke. And it was just an honor for me, an uh, honor to uh, meet you when we met in 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 captivity to meet you there yeah. and how your mind yeah. was still fertile and tell them about the 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 book that you wrote you wrote a book i read it i think it's very yeah. uh, fruitful and meaningful and we can learn a lot from it today yeah um well i wrote two books one was called uh, we are our own liberators and if people are interested they can get it from black dragon mme.com black dragon mme.com um and the other book is uh Escaping the Prism, that's P-R-I-S-M, Escaping the Prism, mm. Fade to Black, right? Escaping the Prism, Fade to Black. And that's the essays and, and, uh, uh, and poetry. Um, the, 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 the book that I'm, I'm uh, actually actually really promoting is uh, We Are Only Liberators, because there's a section in there called right. the National Strategy of Folanon, right. Front for the Liberation of the New African Nation. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the process of building out uh, Folanon now. Uh, we have tried to do that uh, several years ago, almost about 20 years ago. Unfortunately, uh, the efforts uh, was not able to uh, be sustained. And so we're moving towards uh, building that out again uh, okay. for the Liberation of the African Nation. Uh, uh, we also organized with the People's, Spen- uh, People's uh, uh, Senate. Right? It evolved from the International Tribunal that we had in 2021, right. Right. Right? Right. Uh, that found the United States guilty of genocide mm-hmm. against Black, Brown, Indigenous people on five counts, mass mm-hmm. incarceration, uh, health inequities, environmental racism, uh, a police shooting of our people, uh, state-sanctioned uh, murder, and also the existence of political prisoners. On five of those issues, uh, the, United, uh, the International Tribunal found the United States guilty of the charges of genocide. And so we are building out our campaign now on the virtue of that, that, that uh, decision, uh, that verdict, uh, that we need to find ways which we remove ourselves from harm, from any future uh, conditions that essentially uh, diminishes the values and and denies the the value of Black people, uh, demeans our existence, essentially it's genocidal. And so that's what we were doing. And this is the work that Dr. Mutulu Shakur uh, uh, was was operating and building towards, right? For national liberation independence of Black people, uh, new African people. I also identify myself as new African. Right, okay. and it's and it's important for me in our, in our understanding of going forward in our struggle that all those who identify themselves as New Africa, 
raise up that understanding, raise up that identity, mm-hmm. right? And let us build national unity on the understanding that our golden objective is to liberate the land, to free the okay. land. Free the land by any means necessary. And brother, this was a very a, a treat, an unexpected treat. I mean, it, you just really made our day, made our program. And I'll never forget the times that I did come to see you. And this is after 50 years, you still talking liberation. There's no surrender. There's no None. Not at, at all. all. Not, not at all. And you and still all, saying, all, free them all. Free them all. That's right. Although at the time when I was young, I think I believed that we we're going to have liberation in, in my lifetime. Right. I now know as I've come an elder now, know that is it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. Right. And from generation to generation. And our process of what we're doing today is is building up the 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 foundation uh, for the next generation. Uh, so that when we uh, are passing the, passing the baton, as uh, Dr. Motula Shakur has done, adequately done, and in, 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 in the lightning and broadening and building the base uh, for more uh, comrades, more young people to become okay. revolutionaries, right? right? Well, uh, that's say, what we're doing. We're passing the this, baton. Uh, let me say this, uh, Jalil. I know we got more years in than we have left. You know, <laughs> I'm 70-something, and I got... 30, 40 left. I'll probably leave at 110. So I got 40 years left. I okay, want, all right, uh, all right. I want it now, Jalil. I want it okay. before we leave. That's a fact. That's a fact, bro. That's a fact. I'll be 72 next month. So I know oh, in, 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 in October. Be 72 okay. in October. I'll be 73 October 7th. Okay, all right, all right, all right, Libra. All right, Libra. I feel your energy. That's right. We got to keep this balance of this That's justice right. going when on. When is your man. birthday? On the 18th. 18th. All right. We in the yeah, same. yeah. Thank you so okay. much, my brother. You know, it's been it. an honor to our paths have crossed in your spirit. I consider you, Sekou Odinga, who's coming up next, and Matulu, y'all are my leaders and always will be. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I, I, I decline that. I mean, you, you got too much going on for yourself for me to be your leader. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> All right, Thank my you, my brother. I love y'all, man. Love you. All right. Free them all. Free them all. Wow, what a blessing, what a treat. I'm so glad that we got to hear from him. He spent 50 years, man, and he was a part of the Black Liberation Army, a part of the Black Panther movement. And these were my heroes in the 60s, and I'm so glad that I lived long enough to still be able to see them. So we still have half an hour left. I don't know, do we have um, Sekou on the line, or should I go to his video first? Uh, You can go to his video. We don't have any um, okay, so let's go. The next is Sekou Odinga, who spent about 40 years incarcerated, and he was trying to be with us, but he had to travel to Philadelphia, so we gave him the phone number to try to get him on, but if not, we were prepared for a video. And, you know, these brothers were fighting hard for our liberation, and they made some sacrifices. You know, sometimes the, you make moves hoping that the masses is with you, but sometimes it takes more education of the masses, like Lil was saying, that we have to pass the baton because we got to get our, our consciousness raised for the revolutionary action. And sometimes when you engage it and they're not ready for it, you know, they may defend it, may not. So we have to continue to do, and I think what Steve Biko said best, the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. So we got to continue to raise revolutionary consciousness. So uh, we have him on. Uh, like, huh? uh, we do have him on. Uh, I'll ask him to unmute and he can come in. 
Say it again. Uh, we do have him on. Uh, he's calling in. So let's see if we can have him talk. Okay, so let's have, let's get to him since he's on, and then we'll show his video afterwards, or maybe not have to. Sekou Odinga, are you on the line? Oh, alaikum salam, my brother. It's so good to hear your voice. And I always tell people, you, Jalil, y'all my leaders. And I really appreciate the work that you have done. And I was telling folk about the sacrifices you made and the contributions you made to our movement with the Black Liberation Army, Black Panther Party, and so much more. And what you're doing now to still fight to free them all, our political prisoners. So without any further delay, uh, we're going to hear from uh, my good brother, my friend, my comrade in struggle, Sekou Odinga. Yeah. All right. Again, peace and blessings be upon y'all. Good to be here. It's been wonderful just sitting here listening. I was really blown away with uh, my, my nephew's uh, uh, a testimony of, about his life and his, his fi uh, finding of his father and, and burying his father. It was just wow, just just so amazing. Just blew me away, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, he is. I hope he knows that 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 was a real honor that they bestowed upon him to be the one to lay his father to the east and, and, mm. and bury his his own hands. I, I hope my sons get that blessing also in my head whenever I'm let, whenever I leave here. So it's really uh, I'm I'm on a meeting right now. Okay. Uh, uh, I hope I was saying I hope my son gets that blessing. But it was really uh, wonderful hear him talk about his journey to meeting his father, etc. you know. And just listening to you talk about uh, Matulu's mother, uh, Jalil's mother, and thinking about my mother, I don't know. It's just, it's our, our mothers, our, our generation in front of us who brought us to where we are, who did so much to get us where we are, uh, it's just, it's so unsung. It's just, we just don't talk enough about them. I, I don't know, people don't know my mother, I very seldom have talked about her and her struggles to uh, keep my my memory alive in the family, to keep a connection to me throughout the, all those decades in prison and to, she wasn't blessed to be there when I come home, I come home. Uh, she had passed or her cancer had already taken her, but mm. it was her struggle just to stay alive and to stay involved and to keep the family together and to take us from one level to the other. It's so unsung, you know. But uh, <clears throat> just going to Dr. Matul Shakur. For those who don't know, we were very close. I've known uh, uh, Matulu since he was a youngster. I met him when he was 13, and we became connected on different levels since then. Actually, Matulu was the one that helped bring, even though he always looked at me as one of his elders, 
because uh, I was about six years older than him. Uh, he brought me into the, the Republic of New Africa. I, I took my oath with him uh, uh, to become a conscious New African in 1968. It was a tool that helped me bring it. He was also my close comrade in arms. The trial that he went through, I went through it before him. We were, we were, we were, uh, we were co-defendants, you know, and we were, <clears throat> we were uh, compatriots. We were, we were in the field together. And one of the things, I, 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 I people seem to uh, con continue to forget is that although some of the things they say about Matul is a lie, that that everything they say he did, he didn't do all, all the horrible things they say he did. But whatever he did, let's be clear, he had a right to do it. Mm -hmm. He has an absolute right to fight his oppressor as I do, as you do, and as all oppressed people do. That's that's law. That's international law. And that's law that this country has signed. And whatever international law this country has uh, 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 has signed on to is the highest law of the land. He that's was right. totally he was totally legal in everything that he did to to get this oppressor up off his back to support other oppressed people. All that is legal. Let's not forget that we have a right to be free by any means and all means necessary. Don't, don't, don't let them tell us no story about we are criminals, that these are criminal offenses because they, they have the power to drag us into their courts and, and to put these indictments on us. That don't make it legal just because they wrote it. Because don't forget slavery was legal. For all the shit they did to us mm. in slavery, that was legal. You know, it, under their laws, but it's not under human laws, under the laws of God. That those the, that wasn't legal, and we have an absolute right. Again, I say to fight our oppressors by all means, any means necessary. You know, so I just wanted to say that because I I just don't hear people say that enough. I hear people mm -hmm. talk about uh, him being a uh, a. Uh, 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 framed for work that he did and he was innocent of everything he did. He was innocent of some of what he did. But some of the things he did was conscious efforts to free his people by any means. And if it, if it happened, it took arms to do it, his enemies had arms. And so he had the right to pick up arms to fight an armed enemy if he did that, you know. And mm -hmm. as I did, as all, uh, others did, People have a right to struggle for their freedom by any means necessary. We need to be clear what we're struggling for, though, Abel. As uh, Jalil said, you know, it's, we need to be clear that we, we want land and independence. We want, we want self-determination. We want to be able to rule ourselves as free men around the world do, you know. We are a, we are a captive nation in this year country. And people need to understand that that we are a colonized nation within mm -hmm. this country, and that our rights are being suppressed when when they tell us we can't struggle or we must struggle the way they tell us.
for our freedom. The, the enemy don't have the right to tell you how to struggle for your freedom. <laughs> right. They have no right whatsoever to do that. And and we and, and we don't have to accept that. We have to come up with the right way to free ourselves by any means necessary. But I just wanted to say that. So if there's anything else you uh, want to talk about or want me to talk about, uh, uh, I'm free to do that right now. But well, those well, are the things that well, come mind as I sit and listen to you all. Speak. And thank you so all, much for I the I couldn't thank you enough, Brother Sekou Odinga, and I know you don't need thanks because you feel it's your responsibility, but I do have to say all the times that we've met and all the times that we talk, you've been such a great inspiration for me and a great leader uh, to me. Your sincerity, your honesty, your principles, your value system is all consistent with revolutionaries uh, should always be about. So I... I just appreciate you taking time to come on. I know you were in transition and traveling, so I won't hold you. Uh, anything else that you want to share, you know, feel free. But I do want you to talk a little bit about some of the other political prisoners like Jalil Alameen, I mean, uh, Brother Rap Brown Alameen. I think a little bit about him and maybe some of the other political prisoners that have really... We have a lot of, still we have a lot of political prisoners. Mm -hmm. uh, as, you, as you were saying, Jamil Alameen, uh, formerly known as H. Rap Brown, Kojo Bamani, Veranda, Veranda uh, ba uh, Bowers, uh, uh, Kamal, Siddiqui. Uh, there's a number of, I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, what is it, Jojo Jojo, I was Jojo's last name, Bob. And you remember, you remember, uh, what's the brothers? And he just got out. Um, Rochelle McGee, yeah. did, he, did he get out right? Rochelle is home after sixty-seven years. Sixty-seven. That has to be that has to be illegal. So for you to hold a man for sixty-seven years for for the little crime that he didn't even kill nobody. He, no, he wasn't. Nothing. You know, they take a young man in his teens and, and lock him up and take his whole life from him. Ain't that you know, something? This is genocide. This is a form of genocide. These are these are how many children with these thousands of of brothers these uh, mm -hmm. be done uh, brought into this world, and how many children would they have been brought in this world? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it just this is another form of right. genocide in use today that, that uh, as Jalil mentioned that this uh, uh, international uh, panel of jurors found this government guilty of genocide and that was one of the one of the uh, uh, actual uh, predicate acts that they were found guilty of was uh, mass incarceration of our people and that mass incarceration people have to understand that you're not just locking one person up, you're locking the, the, a lot of times the head of the family. And so the, the, the family is left without no head. Uh, you, you're locking up uh, all the children that would have been born, it would have been out there. You're locking up the fathers 
the, of the brothers, the uncles, the grandfathers, the great grandfathers. I had when I come home, I had great grandchildren. I still have great grandchildren that I had never seen. You know, uh, and I, my input to them was none. You know, because I was in jail all these years. So all I think people have to read, go to uh, Jericho movement.com and find out who our political prisoners are. Find out how long they've been down. Write them. Support them. Support their families. Support their, their their freedom campaigns. We need to bring our elders home. This These are brilliant people that they got locked up. Mm-hmm. These, these are giants. These, these brothers and sisters are giants. That they, This is some of the best our our nation has produced. They lock them up. Sudiata was a was a NASA scientist, right, a, a NASA, right. a NASA mathematician. They locked down for for fifty years. That hmm. that they took that brilliance out of our our out of our community. This ain't no accident that all these brothers that, that people like Matulu Shakur, you know, that they lock them down and take all his best years from him. Where that he should have been able to be given to his people for, to struggle for the freedom of our people. These these are not accidents. This is genocide. This is genocide. Right. We need to uh, uh, also go to uh, 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 Man, Mandela. What is it? What is it? Uh, my mind just left me. Uh, and, and find out what the, the people's uh, senate is all about. Right, I was I'm just going to say the people of senate that uh, Jalil mentioned. Uh, we'll get that information. Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get that out, please. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely get that information. And Brenda Walker, who every every session we have, she raises political prisoners, and we've been doing it since the beginning of our doing our program. So we'll continue to do that. Brother, I'm not going to hold you much longer. I appreciate you calling in. Um, you know, when I, when we both get back in town, we got to do our, our breakfast or lunch or whatever so we can yeah. keep yeah. planning our strategies for the future. Appreciate you and love you, my brother, deeply and dearly. That's what this struggle is about, love. It's about right. love. It's all about love. Uh, don't let nobody fool you. We don't hate nobody. We love ourselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, they cool. Okay. Take care. Right. said hello. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself. All right. Uh, peace out to the people. Right on. That was Brother Seku Odinga. Beautiful soul. What a program we had, man. Woo. You know, we got a little few more things, more cultural pieces, but Jalil was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Talib was his thing was very heartfelt, as Brenda said, and powerful. And even Jalil and um, Sekou was moved by Talib's, you know, presentations. And thank you, Operation Power family, for being revolutionary, for being progressive, for staying out in front on on all these issues. So, what we would like to go to now is maybe we'll do the cultural things at the end and let uh, Brenda come with. Uh, her report and the future program that we're going to have. And uh, Karan has some announcements as well. So let's do it like that. And then we'll just go out on a series of cultural pieces. 
I, I just want to um, also honor our political prisoners that are, are now ancestors. There are a lot of our political prisoners that are now ancestors. Um, I want to recognize them. I also want to, I want to call on the names of um, Abu, Abu, I'm sorry, Mumia Abu Jamal, Jamil Alamin that we just mentioned, Abdul Aziz, Joseph, Bow, Joseph Bowen, Baranza Bowers, um, uh, Kojo, um, Komeni Brown, uh, Fred Burton, Dunn, um, Bill Dunn, I'm, I'm losing my breath, Malik Elamine, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to just put them in the chat because there's so yeah, many, um, Ed Poindexter, there's so many that we need to continue to, to fight for to free them because they should not be, and no, no reason in the world someone is in prison that long. Okay, I'm going to stop it there because I'm getting pissed off again. Um, I'm well, going to kick it back to you, Charles. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for always keeping this consistent for every production we have. You have been consistent on that. So we we're very appreciative of that. And it's very difficult to deal with that because we don't want our people to forget these brothers, you know, that and sisters, they've done so much for us. So every program we're going to have, and I think we should do two things in the future. I'd like to have another program and bring back uh, Jalil Montague because he has a lot to talk about and Sekou to talk about some of the stuff that they're organizing and where we go from here kind of stuff. And then, you know, I would like to do a program on revolutionary youth. Uh, people need to know who Jonathan Jackson was, George Jackson's son, who was liberating Rochelle and, and all of them in June Christmas, and he died in that struggle. 18 years old, came to liberate his, his brother, uh, George Jackson. And a lot of people don't know little Bobby Hutton. Little Bobby Hutton was the first Black Panther to be killed and one of the first ones to be recruited. Uh, young man, 17, 16, 17 year old Bobby Hutton. And then over in South Africa, uh, a little young 13 year old youth that was marching against apartheid, Hector Peterson who lost his life in the struggle against apartheid. So I'd like to do a program honoring Hector Peterson, little Bobby Hutton and Jonathan Jackson and have our youth come on to talk about is how important it is for our youth to be involved in revolutionary struggle, not just a reactionary struggle or not just a reformist kind of struggle, but to continue the revolution. So with that, uh, we got a segue into some other events. I know before we end, we'll talk about Dr. Cornell West, who will be on with us on September 9th. Matter of fact, why don't you just put a fly up real quick, and I'll just do that real, real quick. But on September 9th, for our next Operation Power program, we're going to have a conversation with presidential candidate Dr. Cornell West. And so we want all of you to spread the word September 9th, 12 to 2 p.m. We're going to have a conversation with the presidential candidate, Dr. Cornell West, uh, be moderated by Inez and I. And then we're going to have respondents, a five minutes response to his presentation by the leadership of Operation Power, because we have to determine what we want to do politically on a presidential level and local level. So the respondents will be our co-chairs, Karan Allen, Brenda Walker, and our executive director and organizer for these Operation Power Programs, Liberation Saturdays, Cairo Kachiro. So we're looking forward to that. 
spread the word, Dr. Cornell West, September 9th, 12 to 2, Operation Power, and we'll send this flyer around. Karan? Thank you, Mr. Barrett. <clears throat> Peace, everybody. Um, I know uh, emotions have to be running high throughout um, everyone because this is one of the first programs in a very long time where I felt like I was going to cry. I needed to pick up a book. I needed to sit at the feet of our elders and also organize and take action. So uh, just an amazing, amazing collection of information, presenters, and everything. Um, so I'm just going to put forth two programs that are coming up um, that are happening locally. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about everything that's happening, but the first one, um, but first one, because it is coming up, I'll just wait. Yep is uh, not another smoke shop rally. So uh, there is a, a smoke shop that has appeared in our community, uh, just like it's happened all across the five boroughs. Uh, the big problem with this smoke shop uh, is that it's directly, when I say directly, it is directly across the street from Junior um, IS-218, uh, which is located on 370 Fountain Avenue. The smoke shop is located on Blake, which is directly across the street from um, an exit of the school. This location is a 24 seven location, as in they are open every hour of the day. Um, this smoke shop opened up at the, at, I wanna say towards the start of the, um, the, re the real summer. Um, when I say the real summer, after school closed and all of that, the smoke shop opened up. Uh, the principal has reached out uh, about, you know, just looking for some leadership in action. Uh, the councilman convened a discussion with all of the community folks. There's so many different approaches to this is happening. There's a legal approach um, that's happening. Uh, there is uh, the, uh, the the approach we don't control, which is through the sheriff's, sheriff's office. Um, and then there's also the approach that we want to bring forth, uh, which is community action. Get in community members um, out there to make some noise about this not being a reality we want for our young people. When these smoke shops open up, they, they, they're directly trying to bring in young people. They're not advertising it for the elders of the community. Not at all. They're, they're all done in a specific way to attract young people. So this is Tuesday, August 29th at 3 p.m. School has not, New York City public schools have not opened up just yet. This is a week in advance of that. However often we need to be out there, we will. But this is the first of what I... Um, Hope is a, a protracted struggle to get this smoke shop to no longer exist. And we've done this in the past already. So it's not like we're pulling this out of, out of thin air. We shut down a smoke shop that was right across the street, street from uh, Junior High School 166, uh, located on Van Sicklin between Linden and Stanley. We got that smoke shop shut down. It took two rallies. We'll see how, how, how many this one takes. But we're definitely going to be out there. Hope that you all will be able to join us as well. Uh, next event. Uh, on a more lighter note, uh, last year we put together the first ever Black Inventors <laughs> Youth Parade uh, through East New York in partnership uh, with the local superintendent. And by default, many, many schools in the neighborhood, I think it was about 12, and they had um, scores of, of young people representing their schools, marching in a the first of its kind in East New York Black Inventors Youth Parade. Uh, we were in partnership with so many organizations. When I say we, both the councilman's office, 
Operation Power are in partnership with so many organizations throughout the neighborhood. Uh, you will be safe. It will be fun. It will be informative. Um, and the reason, just the reason for this event in the first place, at this time of year, uh, you know, elected officials and other folk, they're giving out backpacks with school supplies, and that is their give back. Um, and they're giving it to young people with no inspiration, no intention. It's just for the, the sake of doing something, you know? And we want we wanted to make sure that we inject some culture into the back to school. We, we inject some inspiration in the back to school. So we do the Black Inventors Youth Parade. This is our second year. Please join us. It is Saturday, September 16th at 3 p.m. Uh, sharp, uh, because we do, well, of course, we're gonna do some opening remarks and speeches, but we get right to it because we have a program at the end. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, light refreshments will be served. Um, and we hope that you all will be able to join us. Thank you. Where's the location? The location, Mr. Barron, it is Sunny Carson Park, uh, located on the corners of Vermont Street and Linden Boulevard. We will be gathering at that entrance and walking through the neighborhood. We are not releasing the route, so you have to show up and be on time so you can walk with us. Thank you. Thank you. With that, uh, we're coming towards the end of our program. We want to thank uh, everybody for all of the uh, announcements. As we close, thank you all for coming out. Thank you for staying with us and straight ahead. Good job, K. Rule, and good job, Olabumi, as always, for guiding us through this. I thank you.